0: Thank you, Nicholas. Um, Somewhat unfortunately, I think chemical tankers are not top of mind for most investors these days. I say that because I think about half the room left. We seem to be the only segment of this entire industry that couldn't put together a legitimate panel. So I am the panel. And finally, uh, I only have 15 minutes, so I'm going to run through this relatively quickly. But I think it's a compelling time to look at chemical tankers again. And my presentation is speeding ahead of me, encouraging me to move even faster. So I want to do three things. I want to sort of reintroduce the business to everybody. Some of you might have a little bit of an idea what chemical tankers do. Um, Briefly run through how we're different than Um, some of our peers in the tanker universe. I want to talk a little bit about why now is a very interesting time to look at this industry. And finally, I'll I'll talk a little bit about um, the opportunities available in the market today for investors. Uh, To get started, and hopefully this will stop uh, running ahead. Why am I up here, who am I? I'm the CFO of Team Tankers. Team Tankers is a publicly listed chemical tanker, owner-operator, uh, we're traded in, on the Oslo Stock Exchange under the ticker TEAM. We have about a $300 million market cap uh, and operate 40 vessels. Uh, current tonnage is about two-thirds coated, one-third stainless steel, and um, the most interesting uh, aspect uh, of our company today is we have a very strong balance sheet. We actually have negative net debt, and are uh, in a position to deploy capital at a time when investment opportunities in chemical tankers look pretty compelling. Okay, chemical tanker business. So part of, I think, investor um, indifference to chemical tankers is explained by this slide. Look, we are a quarter of the size of product tankers are uh, nearest cousin in the tanker industry. And something that continues to blow my mind, the dry bulk industry and the crude industry, their order books are larger than the entire on-the-water fleet of the chemical tanker industry. What is a chemical tanker? It's easiest to explain that to compare two vessels that are outwardly and externally the same, and that's the MR. People know the standard MR uh, fairly well in the clean products trade, the workhorse of the global clean products trade. There is a chemical MR that is uh, the analog to that vessel. Well, how are they different? They're different because the chemical tanker will have 16 to 20 tanks versus the uh, CPP carrier with about 8 to 10. In addition, the chemical tanker Each uh, tank has its individual uh, pumps and lines, whereas the uh, product carrier, uh, most of the tanks will share common uh, pumps and lines. Uh, In addition, it's important to point out that the coating on the vessel is different. Chemical tankers have specialty coatings that enable them to carry a wide variety of caustic and hazardous cargoes. Um, And last, uh, the inert gas system, which sounds like a detail, but it's actually very important for the carriage of um, some of the more sophisticated chemicals. Chemical tankers have a nitrogen system rather than using uh, byproduct gas as most of the rest of the tanker world does. Okay, what do we carry? We, we group the world into uh, four different product care categories, uh, starting with organic chemicals, which is the backbone of most of uh, the chemical trade. Think of these as everything that comes out of the petrochemical refinery chain, um, largely tied to uh, general industrial production and global GDP growth. Moving on, uh, we have organic chemicals, which is easily thought of as acids. Uh, This is what is carried on stainless steel uh, chemical carriers. A a little more tied to more specific industrial niches, fertilizers, mining. Uh, And finally, we have veg oils. Uh, Veg oils, the two most important, being palm oil and uh, soy oil. Again, these are um, largely correlated in the developing world to a home cooking fuel and, in the developed world, to biofuel production. Finally, uh, chemical tankers do carry a lot of clean uh, petroleum products, and also, from time to time, uh, the dirty uh, or fuel oil products as well. Why does the chemical MR have so many tanks? It's for the IMO rating. A lot of jargon on this page, but just focus on the middle column, IMO type 2, that most global chemical carriers are type 2 and what does that mean that means we have tanks that are 3000 cubic meters and below that is the distinction for an imo 2 type product can only be loaded in 3000 cubic meter lot sizes so a standard mr that has 45000 cu- or 4500 cube tanks cannot cannot fully load imo 2 products imo 1 uh, the Maximum load is 1,250 cubes. It's a very, very niche small part of the industry. Where are the main trade routes? Where do we take these things? Um, The two biggest long haul trades, US Gulf to Asia, Middle East Gulf Asia. Uh, There's also a robust Atlantic Basin trade that moves both ways. Most important regional trades are the east coast of the Americas, intra-Europe and intra-Asia. The long haul routes are going to become important in a, in a second when we talk about the, uh, where the supply and demand side is going. I'm slowly getting the hang of this, so thank you. Uh, what, is a, what does a kennel tanker voyage look like? So we've talked about how the assets are more complicated. Uh, we load different things. How does uh, what we do on a chemical MR differ from what a uh, Product carrier MR will do? Well, this is an example of a voyage uh, that has the front haul US Gulf to Asia as I just spoke about We'll load in five or six different ports in the US Gulf We'll take those cargoes different cargoes largely different customers We'll take them to five or six ports in the Far East and along the way, we'll also uh, load an interim cargo in the Far East and take it to Australia. This voyage example um, was almost 100 days long. So think of it as three to four times the length of uh, a standard point-to-point product carrier. This is also an interesting example because it shows our trading pattern. After we uh, perform this front haul voyage, RMRs typically will look to move clean products or veg oils from um, the Far East to Europe and then clean products across the Atlantic Basin to uh, position ourselves for the front-haul chemical trade again. Multiple cargo operations, multiple loads and discharge uh, create a much more complex environment for the operation of chemical tankers. What does all this lead to? Um, Significant barriers to entry relative to the bulk trades. Uh, clearly, because of what we carry and what it can potentially do to the environment and to people, vettings are very, uh, very stringent and increasing complexity. I think the vetting environment in chemical tankers is well beyond where it is in our uh, crude and product uh, peers. In addition, the nature of the cargoes and the technical complexity make it much more uh, intense on both the shoreside and shipboard operating side. Chemical tanker companies generally have more people shoreside, as you have to handle many more uh, operations for each voyage, tank cleaning after each voyage, and uh, such things as uh, load planning and uh, cargo uh, maintenance during the voyage. Finally, um, it's, it's harder to build uh, a chemical tanker. There are uh, a limited number of yards uh, in the world that uh, certainly far fewer than can build product tankers. Um, additionally, increasingly, it's hard to find, attract, and keep qualified people both onboard and ship side uh, that know how to operate in chemical tankers. It's a much more demanding trade, especially on board, much more demanding of the crew, and uh, attracting and retaining the right people is hugely important. Moving on to the market. Um, with The chemical tanker industry, so on the left there, we have oil products, which includes uh, clean petroleum, dirty petroleum products on down. On the right, we've got um, just focusing on the pure chemical trades. And the long-term trend is steady increase in global demand. Um, We expect that to continue, largely tied to global GDP gains. What's changing? That's exciting. And that is the shale gas story. Now, you probably a lot of you heard the LPG panel uh, earlier. Nobody had heard of an LPG tanker in 2013 and 2014. But with shale gas and the first order derivatives of shale gas being those LPG trades, all of a sudden we've had an explosion of investor interest and uh, company sophistication on the LPG side. Well, we think something similar is coming in chemicals. Chemicals is a second order derivative of shale gas. The plants have to be built before the export capacity is there. A lot of that building and construction is underway, both in the U.S. Gulf and in the Middle East Gulf. And I don't have a slide on that because I don't have enough time to go through all of it. But I assure you there's a, there's a very similar chart in the Middle East Gulf that shows increasing export capacity due to come online. What is that going to lead to? That's going to lead to average length of haul increasing and tonnile demand going up. Now, eight of the last ten years, I have actually think you've seen the average length of haul in the chemical trade decline as voyages got on average shorter, that is going to reverse itself as much of this new capacity is export destined for the Far East. The U.S. Gulf to Asia being just about the longest and farthest uh, chemical tanker trade route. How are we doing on the supply side? Um, We're doing okay. We're working our way through uh, what was a blip in the order book with vessels ordered in 2014 and 2015, uh, but that blip is coming to an end, and I think there's, uh, a real chance you're going to see a reversal of fleet growth in the next few years. Combine that supply and demand outlook, and, uh, you have what could be a very compelling intermediate term macro story. So this data is from Clarkson's uh, who has probably the best research house uh, out there in uh, chemicals, uh, they presented at our last board meeting, this was their, p- their final slide, they pretty much just dropped the mic and walked out of the room. Now, I'm not gonna claim that we're gonna see 2000 levels of 2007 levels of fleet utilization in 2019, but this is one interpretation of how continued strong, um, strong demand growth combined with that ton mile story and fleet growth re- reducing create a pretty compelling economic situation for the industry. So what about entry? Entry today is very compelling. I'd say just focus on the orange lines, which are the last five-year average, so throw out the, throw out the peak from in 2007, and you still see today asset values are about 10% below that five-year average. So I think now is a very compelling time to take a look and put money to work in chemical tankers. Now, uh, a little bit of the bad news. Uh, How do you do that today? I'm not going to talk about the credit side at all, but I'm going to talk about the equity side. We've seen private equity be very aggressive in chemical tankers. I think private equity has um, had a number of investments in the industry. And in terms of institutional capital is one of the few pockets that has, uh, has invested in chemical tankers. Roughly half of these sponsors um, created their position through a recapitalization and half through the backing of new building orders. For public investors, uh, it's a little bit of a different story. There's only four publicly traded chemical tanker companies. We are one of them. Two of our Oslo-listed peers, Stolt Nielsen and Oddfell, are other, and then Navigate is uh, listed OTC in Norway. Uh, Now, uh, we we could spend 15 minutes itself on this slide, but the one thing I'll point out is the uh, average daily volumes. Even Stolt Nielsen, the largest company in the industry, has. Uh, trades less than 10% of the dollar volume of stock that a very liquid um, uh, shipping company such as Scorpio tankers would trade on a daily basis so it's a very difficult situation for public equity investors how do we as an industry change that well a team we're pretty convinced that the answer is consolidation that we need to drive and create Uh, bigger and scale opportunities for investors in the capital markets broadly. We think there are other benefits. We think these barriers to entry create real economies of scale, and um, we think there are uh, a number of different players in the industry today that are like-minded. What would this look like? Okay, this is never gonna happen, but what if all those smart private equity players from two slides ago got together and got on the same page with this? Uh, and decided to put all of their assets together. Well, we'd have Team Nordic Bulkhorse CT8, which is a terrible name, but everything else here is very interesting. It'd be the largest chemical tanker owner-operator in the world, and it'd have a public equity market cap with, moder- with modest leverage in excess of a billion dollars. So I, I think it takes more than, more than two people getting together, but I think there are a number of um, players in the industry that are considering this right now. Okay, I am out of time. So, just as a summary, look—it's a camel tanker, it's differentiated shipping service, greater barriers to entry, consistent demand growth combined with a potentially compelling story on the ton-mile side. Supply side is under control. It's an attractive point in the cycle. And finally, the industry needs to do a little work to create vehicles that are capable of attracting large-scale institutional capital. Uh, I don't have any time for questions, but happy to take any via email or phone call. If, uh, if anybody thinks of something after this, uh, please feel free to reach out and contact me. Thank you.